Hi, friends. Before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that if you like what we talk about here on the Belonging Podcast, I think you'll really love my book. It's called Root and Ritual, Timeless Ways to Connect to Land, Lineage, Community, and the Self. And it is available right now wherever books are sold. It is a beautifully illustrated guide to connecting with the earth, your ancestors, and your communities as you come home to your whole self. Though we live in a radically different looking world, the needs of our bodies and spirits are the same as the ancestors we come from. I divide this book into four parts, land, lineage, community, and self, and I take you on a journey for engaging more deeply with your life. I provide stories from my own life and I share rituals, recipes, and ancestral wisdom, journal prompts to support you on your individual and unique and sacred path. You can get more info and bonuses at rootandritualbook.com and pick it up at your favorite bookstore online or in person. Thanks for all your support. It means the world to me. Welcome to Belonging, a podcast that explores how to come home to yourself in the age of loneliness. I'm Becca Piastrelli, your host and guide on a journey of courageous reconnection as we explore topics like ancestral wisdom, cultivating meaningful sisterhood, living with the seasons and cycles of the earth in your body, and what it means to be a good ancestor. Hello, and welcome back to Belonging, the podcast. It's Becca Piastrelli here, your hostess and guide. Feeling, mm, really feeling the coming of winter in this moment and just checking in with you. How are you doing with the season you're in when you're listening to this? I realize I present so much on these intros where I am in the season. And I realized this is the nature of podcasts is you discover it when you discover it. And oftentimes, you know, you could be listening to four or five in a week and it might be a different time of year, a different season. So I'm wondering how you are doing in the season you are in right now. And this is not just the season where you are in your hemisphere in your microclimate, but also the season of your life. I find this to be really interesting because sometimes the ancestral seasonal energies don't quite match up to what you're experiencing in your life. You know what I mean? Or sometimes like winter in your life could last a few years. A lot of hibernation, maybe some darkness and confusion or a dream state. And maybe that lasts a while or you're in the spring of your life or in a spring cycle, because I'm sure there are many springs of our lives where you're planting seeds, setting intentions. You feel like a teenager who's just going to school with your books and you're just hungry to learn. Or maybe you're in the summer season of your life with celebration and outward energy, maybe a little bit of hustle energy. Or in autumn, maybe you're harvesting from all your hard work, starting to feel the waning, starting to wind down. 
So I'm just checking in with you. How are you doing? Really? How are you really doing in this season of your life and in the season of the earth where you are right now? I am feeling major celebration for a lot of the hard work I've done this year and over the past few years. Definitely a harvest, a celebration of harvest in my life, which surprises me a little bit because this time last year, this exact time on the wheel of the year, I was feeling a lot more darkness and shadowy energy, which is totally cool. It's just where I was. Confusion, maybe a little bit of sadness and really accepted that. And and this time it's different. I'm welcoming winter, trying to slow down. (laughs) We teach what we need to learn, everyone. And I talk about slowing down and going with the pace of nature and not necessarily buying in to the myth of linear time. And I got to say, I still find myself struggling with that from time to time. So right now I'm watching the last leaves hold on to the trees and sprinkle down like confetti and feel the darkness really surrounding me like a cloak in the evenings and asking myself to slow down, telling myself, it's okay, it's okay to slow down. There will be more energy on the other side. So maybe you needed to hear that. It certainly needed to be said today's episode, I got another interview for you. I think my last for a little bit before we go into winter hibernation, but we'll see. I can be very, (laughs) I can be very spontaneous. Sometimes an exciting thing happens. I get an idea. I ask someone if they want to record and it happens. So I try not to make too many promises, but it seems like we're winding down in these late autumn months. But this episode had me just, my heart was pounding. I felt so so much excitement. I wanted to tell everyone about it. I couldn't stop hugging this woman and crying afterwards. This is an interview with Morena Cardoso, aka Danza Medicina. Morena is a woman of Brazil, and she and I were both together During this little gathering, we both attended in Connecticut for Samhain, where we did a lot of shadow work. And she'll be talking about how she really dove in to the shadow work we were doing as a group. And she is such an artist with her body and her embodiment practices. It was a real teacher for me. But Danza Medicina is, I mean, she's a writer, she's an activist, But how I really see her is, she says, a body psychotherapist. She is a dancer. She works through embodiment. And I know for so many years, people would talk, preach embodiment. And I was like, okay, I get it, I get it. But I'm getting it on deeper levels. And I have Morena to thank for that because I took one of her workshops, her Danza Medicina workshops, dance medicine, at a gathering called Spirit Weavers, which I talk about a lot two years ago. Spirit Weavers is a gathering in Southern Oregon every June. 
all women and female identified, incredible gathering. Highly recommend going. And Morena came and I think it was like a three hour workshop. And I talk about my experience in our interview of deep vulnerability with my body and the shame that comes up and the preconceived notions of worthiness and beauty. And what I realized in that class is Morena is a deep and powerful healer. And she says she is the heroine of her own journey. And I really think she can midwife women through their own journey, including in that dark night, including the, that, those moments of darkness, Marina can really sit with that. So I, she has her own podcast. She has an incredible community in Brazil. Other women from all over the world come to take her incredible dance retreats. And I said, okay, we're in the same spot. Can we please sit down and chat? And I'm so, so glad we did because we talk about so much good stuff in this conversation about body positivity, about what it's like to be a woman living in Brazil right now with the Amazon burning and a super homophobic and misogynist president and the legacy of colonization on the Brazilian people, the legacy of patriarchy on the Brazilian people, on women, the legacy of Roman Catholicism, it's it's a really cool. I just found it really interesting because I, I oftentimes we're in these echo cha- find we in, we're in these echo chambers, and it's a lot of same chat with the same folk. And I talked to so many Americans about our experience right now in the Trump era, in this time of really looking at climate collapse and looking at race relations and the legacy of white supremacy. And it's a rich conversation if you're down to have it. I'm down to have it for sure. And it's very cool to have this same conversation with a woman from Brazil and to get her perspective, particularly because it's not the same down in Brazil. And there are interesting parallels, but there's also really interesting differences that Marina shares about. And this is actually the first time she's really spoken out about how she feels to be a Brazilian woman, about how she feels to embody both the colonizer and the colonized, the oppressor and the oppressed, and how she works with that in her work. She talks about the way she works with indigenous communities in the Amazon, in Brazil. We talk about shadow work. I teach her about Lizzo for the first time. It's, I find it to be a really rich conversation. So I'm so looking forward to hearing what you think, I guess, reading more than hearing. I really love reading your comments on Instagram at Becca P. Estrelli or on the show notes page, belongingpodcast.com. You go there and then you can scroll down to the episode that it is. And this episode is with Morena Cardoso. And I love hearing, or again, reading, I'm not hearing anything what you have to say, what's, what struck you, what was hard for you, what you have to share. I really love when this feels like a conversation. So I would present to you a profound and very enjoyable and enlightening conversation with Morena Cardoso. So I'm sitting here with my friend Morena, who's here in Western Connecticut in 
late autumn, visiting all the way from Brazil, freezing your butt off here. And in front of me, this is the day after Samhain that we're recording this. And you're wearing elf ears and your face is painted with lines. It looks like almost like indigenous sort of woman of the wild (laughs) with this like huge puffer winter coat on and winter hat and I'm like (laughs) schwitzing over here in the t-shirt and um yeah why are you dressed like this what made you want to do that yeah so we've been talking a lot about embodying the shadows so this is kind of the work we did yesterday all together just bringing our potential and also the shadow um, behind this light and then the process is like just stressed up, bringing some information about whatever you're feeling. So yesterday night I was the tired, frustrated princess that was all her life long waiting for her prince. And then she was so disappointed that actually all her visions and expectations were just destroyed in the reality, and she's stuck in her castle that she created, uh, looking at young women and feeling old and just too tired to start over. And it's so interesting just to embody that and play with it and make it come to the light. And Actually, this is what I'm doing in my work through the dance, but but it's much more subtle. And now just like playing the clown, like, okay, I'm a loser. And this is something that I do not accept within myself. And just I'm just bringing it up so people can see it and I can express myself through that. So actually, it's not that I was thinking, okay, now I'm going to be an elf and this means this or that, or it was not me. Like, okay, now I'm be the frustrated princess, but it just happened when I dressed myself up. Like, oh, there's some feeling about being dressed like this and there's a scenario archetype that's just coming out. And so I allow it to express and I'm hearing myself and I'm watching myself in that. So it's a quite good exercise. So <laughs> I'm still understanding what it means to be this elf. Yeah, you're such an embodied human being. You're so tapped into your body and you're so tapped into shadow. We were talking yesterday about the importance of shadow and this time of year. Although you are a Southern Hemisphere liver, so you were like, I I have autumn, I have Samhain twice a year. Yeah. So you're really intimately, I think, that you are intimately in relationship with shadow, which is a really beautiful thing. Yeah. Actually, I I really felt like there was no way out of that because my story, my life story, and my medicine come really comes really from this space of going deep into my dark spaces, and then like figuring out that I was not really fitting in and having a problem with that, and then suddenly like actually understanding that this is my biggest power in terms of accepting it and bringing it to people and then embracing that and inviting the other sisters to embrace their own shadows too and like us together looking at this and being like into acceptancy and loving each other for being so honest with ourselves and then recreating our own story like like telling our story in a good way 
resignifying our experiences. So if I look if I look behind, I will I could tell my story in so many different ways. And there's a lot of problems, a lot of issues, a lot of challenges. And then just bringing it up as just finding another way of telling my own story and finding my own perspective about the growth that it was actually these experiences were actually invited me to to face. Right. You talk about dropping the masks. Yeah. That's a really important part of your work. We should say you do this work of Danza Medicina uh-huh. and you do these incredible retreats where you invite women into their bodies to explore this work through their bodies. And yeah, I'd love to know more about the masks we wear and what happens when we drop them and what we discover about ourselves. Yeah, so this is about working with the archetypes. So we do have many different facets that are very... uh, Some of them are okay, like stereotypes that have been accepted in society, in our families, in ourselves, and some of them are not. And so we're quite kind of in this game of hidden hidden masks, hidden parts of us, and then showing the word, the good parts, the ones that we accept. And so there's an exercise of like taking off the masks and just allowing to to become whatever it comes up. We just allow it to happen. And then there's this exercise of wearing the masks and see how it goes. So I do this in the dance, working through the for, for elements because it gets like easier to understand, like earth fire water and air like we can feel the air and can see how it moves the leaves how the leaves are falling down and they're dancing in the air and how is that in our bodies how is that to feel light or the fire or there's the heat the power of the fire and the light of the fire and how is that in our system and how is that in our relationships and how is that in the way we make choices in our lives so i work deeper in I studied deeper the, the the archetypes of Greek mythology, but then bringing it to the four elements, it's kind of easier to embody, to see that as an entity that we can pray for. And also we can look at the shadow and the light of each of the elements and trying to find the balance also. So sometimes you're not really... I mean, if you grew up in a family that they were kind of saying that women should be gentle sweet, like serving the family, holding space for the men, for the children, and being like the perfect mom, whatever. So maybe you have a very masculine energy that you do not accept. And you're trying to become like this this beautiful, gentle, loving woman that stays at home taking care of the family, but actually your heart is just asking for something else. And then there's this shadow that is just this masculine energy that put under and you're not you, you're not really accepting it and you're maybe looking at people around and say oh look how this woman is so masculine I don't like it it makes me feel weird and then we were working in this uh, process of like accepting whatever is inside and also recognizing it in other ones so it can be more like reunited you know from this patriarchy that just made us feel like separated and fragmented so um, I do it through music, like there is, 
I don't know, very intellectual, serious women that comes to my retreat. She's very spiritual, whatever. And she comes and she has to dance Beyonce, I don't know, just very sensual. Uh, very challenging. Yeah. Right. And for some other women that has the archetype of um, Aphrodite, maybe it's going to be very fun and easy. And then for these women, like it's just going to take it out of her center. And then the question is always, why? So it's just you with your body, understanding the process of you with the hidden parts of yourself and why you're not accepting them, you know. Ooh, I imagine it can be so confronting for some women who have just never really stepped outside of those societally like palatable archetypes of like um, not connecting to their body, not connecting to their sensuality, not feeling safe in the feminine or... I guess I can even feel it in myself. I did one of your dance workshops at Spirit Weavers two years ago. It was pouring rain. It was beautiful. By the end, everyone was naked. I wasn't. I wasn't ready to go there. I would now. Cool. (laughs) Let's do it. Yeah. And I remember you had us do this exercise with scarves. Can I share? Mm, Uh, Sure. And you said the scar, we all held scarves. And you said, this represents your skin. Scarves Mm -hmm. are your skin. And so maybe a third of us were inside a circle and then the two thirds of us were outside the circle watching. So there was like deep seeing happening. And I didn't know half these women, but we were in a space that felt safe. And we did a lot of, you did a lot of work of like getting us into our bodies and feeling like a deeper trust of the space. And then you played gorgeous music, slow, intense music. And you had us walk around and show our skin through the scarves to the women watching. And that was the most vulnerable experience for me. And I realized, like intellectually, up in my head, I was like, oh yeah, sensuality is so important. The body is so important. Like the feminine, yes, so great. We're healing patriarchy, ooh, ooh, you know. But then when you were like, show your skin, I remember I was just sobbing. I loved it and I resisted it at the same time. And I was catching, I was having deep eye contact with women I both knew and didn't know. It's actually more intense with the women I do know where I was like, this is my skin. And I wasn't even naked. It was a scarf. And I I was like moving it around me and draping it over my head and all these things. And And it was, we unlocked something in that moment where there was seeing of me. And I I don't know what that archetype was or what we were working with, but it felt like spell work you were doing on us because I was was like, I want to run and this feels so good at the same time. I mean, that's the magic of this work with the body that you do. Yeah. You cannot run away from yourself in the end. It's all in the body and carry all the memories of our lives and even like subconscious memories in ourselves, in our body. So even like sometimes I am in these workshops and people are just so mental trying to understand really what it means. Like, oh, what about this scarf becomes my skin? I don't get it. I say, okay, but your body knows. So if you don't know, just allow your body to, to show you how it works. You know, to, to give more power to the body to be expressed, whatever has to be expressed, you know. And that was that was about water element. Ah, uh, yes. 
So it's very, and it's very particular. I mean, for some people, the water is just so easy. Like, okay, it's easy to be touched. It's easy to put myself into this space of vulnerability. It's okay for me to cry in front of everyone. It's okay for me to be naked. It's okay for me to flow. But then on the other side, there is um, maybe for this woman, it's very hard to play like the fire. It's very hard for her to, to speak her truth, to say no, to set boundaries. And then so we go like playing with these different invitations. And the thing is just like you experiencing and getting to your own conclusions about dance as a metaphor for your life. And so what does it mean that it's so hard for me to share my skin and to tell people like, this is my story and this is how I touch myself, for example. Like, what does it mean in my intimate relations? Like, questioning yourself. Like, I don't give any answer. I don't give any answer. I'm just opening up those space for more questions to come up. Yeah, I really appreciate that about your work, that we are the healers, Totally. We are in charge of our own path and you're not going to tell us what our body story is. I think what that experience revealed to me was the shame I hold in my body for being a woman, for being a woman of size mm. in a culture that, that my size isn't technically like in the beauty industrial standard of beauty. Mm -hmm. And I got that message subtly I didn't have anyone like calling me fat on the playground, but I got this like subtle message throughout looking at magazine covers and worshiping them. I had magazine covers all over my bedroom as a child, just like the little ways, like little messages I got from family and they didn't even know, right? The unconscious ways we were programming into each other and into my, and me programming myself that I was unworthy. And so in that moment, I was claiming my worthiness and I was feeling the pain of the unworthiness I felt my whole life. And you didn't say Amazing. any of that. Yeah. You invoked water and you, and I think the big part is that I was being witnessed and in that witnessing, I can see it more deeply. There's a courage that comes of it. Yeah, totally. Very healing. Yeah. Because people usually say dance as nobody's watching you, but I say right the opposite. <laughs> Then yeah. says everyone is watching you because it's so easy to be who we are when nobody's looking. But what about when you step out in the world and say, this is who I am and this is so powerful. What do you think of Lizzo? Of what? Lizzo. Do you know that the, the singer Lizzo? I don't. <laughs> okay, that's, that's an American. This is like a translation. <laughs> Never mind. Okay, I'll just tell you. She's a black woman. And she's very popular right now. She has like a song like, I just took a DNA test. Turns out I'm 100% that bitch. No? <laughs> no, I don't. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, she's a woman of size. And she's, uh -huh. she's fat. And she is everyone right now. It's like in American popular culture is obsessed with her because she is like, hey, world, look at my body. On Instagram stories, she'll like shake her body. She'll like jiggle her butt. And she'd be like, she'd look in the camera, she'd be like, I'm beautiful. I love myself. And she, stadiums are crowded. Like she, it's her moment. And she is asking to be seen. It feels, it feels like 
I think I'm realizing as I dig out, I like unearth more and more of my own internalized shame from the patriarchy. I see how incredible, like what deep work she's doing. Totally. To do that. Yeah, that reminds me of a story of uh, one retreat that I was facilitating in Chile. And then we were all naked looking at each other's body Ugh. in this process of like, look how weird it is that someone just came up with this idea that there is a pattern for the feminine body. There is not. Look how different we are. And we were just into this process. And then there was a woman that asked permission for speaking. And then she was like, please tell me I'm not fat. And then all the women were like, oh, you're not fat. And I was like, shut up. Like, why? Like, what about and if you're fat? So what is the problem of being fat? You're not. I mean, look at your body. You're not into, like, I know people that are much bigger than you. And what if this woman would be here now looking at you and listening at you saying that? That would be awful. Right. So it's not about you. It's not about your own process. It's about a collective process. Because even if I am like perfect to the standards, there is always something that for me, it's not going well. Because I'm just trained to not accepting myself. Because the system, the capitalist needs me not into this place of self-esteem. Because they can sell a lot of produce that I would yeah. buy for feeding in. And this is constant. And right. it's not about being that or not being that. It's just about, okay, it doesn't matter what I am. I'm just like into this very deep compromise of like commitment within myself, of loving myself. And that's it. Yeah. And this is so profound. This yeah. Is such a, such a big fight that we're like doing every day, waking up and reminding that, okay, the system is trying to say no but I would say yes to myself again and again. Right, I belong to myself. Totally. And the dance is a space that somehow we make this, we, we create this opportunity for loving our bodies in, through the process of understanding that actually our body is a perfect, amazing, divine, sacred tool for us to be here in this world. And it makes a lot of sense because... I was somehow for so many years angry against God, against creation for me having this body as like this body was a mistake. Being here on earth was a mistake. Why am I here? I have headache. I'm tired. I have thirsty. I have hunger. I'm like, I don't feel well. I don't feel I cannot feed into my body. I, I am so much more than this body, this physical body. So um, for me, being here in this world with this body was a mistake, was not supposed to happen. But then when I started really dancing and understanding the power of this body for my spirit to grow into my, into my path as like, not as, as a human being, but as a spirit coming to earth as an experience for growth and for getting more and more wisdom from this experience that it made a lot of sense. So through the dance, mm. somehow we're just like saying, okay, it's not that it's only fine to have a body, but it's needed for our spirit to have this tool for growth, right? And also I was questioning so much about this condition of being a human being. I was like, it's it would be so much better to be an animal, to be 
I don't know, like a tree, a flower. It makes much more sense. And now the human being is just so weird. Like all this power <laughs> and all this, the way yeah. human human beings are just destroying the whole planet. And that was for me as a mistake too. Mm. And then when I perceive myself in my body, creating art and expressing myself in such a such a magical way i mean a scarf can become my skin and then i really get involved into this process of imagination and like anything can be everything hmm. and this is just so amazing and this is so unique from the human being condition and then i could like really get closer to this creation and say okay now it makes sense thank you for allowing me to have this experience and this opportunity you know yeah it's like um simultaneous gratitude and like deep acceptance for the body the vessel i think about um women with chronic illness or um you know one where it's like a challenge really we all have some sort of challenge with our bodies um with our the, you know, the traumas we were born into, the countries we live in, and um, without bypassing like the very real inequities of this life, of this world, there is yeah. an element of like, what am I going to do with it? Yeah, totally. Actually, the only, the only fact of like having a body is already traumatizing. You have to come into this world and like being born. as uh, a trauma. In, yeah, totally. And then what can I do with that? Mm -hmm. It's like having a, a woman's body. So people sometimes are saying like, oh, you, why don't you invite men for this work? Why do you only have women? It's nothing ag against men. And it's nothing that, oh, you have a woman's body, so you have a feminine essence. I do not believe that. I do believe that men and women, like beyond the physical body, having a vagina or not, having a vulva or not, having a uterus or not, the essence of feminine and masculine is always in there in yeah, different, exactly. like, of course, expressing different ways, but it's not about the body itself. But then, oh, so why do you work with only with women? Because then we live in a patriarchal society and for 5,000 years, we've been judged in our conditions, in our social roles for having this woman's body. And then it means a lot. More than judged, harmed. And ever Violated. Pain. Yeah, and then defined, right? So I have a vagina and I have a vulva. So what it does it mean in the society? What, what roles do I have to play? What is my condition here? What is my space here? How much can I express myself? And how do I have to act? And then it's nothing about like not inviting men, but really like honoring and being conscious of this conditioning that we have as women in, in the woman's body, which yeah. is a lot. And then making the best of it as they're saying, okay, I have a body, so I dance with this body. And then I use this body for as a tool for my spiritual growth. And then I will create art and beautiful expressions through, through this body. Beautiful doesn't mean beautiful in the aesthetic of... People thinking, oh, what a beautiful dance. No, I don't care about beautiful dance. It's just creating beauty in terms of showing who I really am and just allowing my spirit to be expressed through my body. This is beauty for me. Mm. It's just raw. But then I have a woman's body. So what can I do with that? I can bleed. I can ovulate. 
I can follow my cycles and I can become so much more powerful just using this tool in a good way. So let's do the best with what we have, mm-hmm. you know. Do you, so you mostly work with Brazilian women, although you do international retreats. Do you ever get trans women or non-binary ones that maybe don't have the physical parts? Yeah, I didn't have like a full retreat, but I had an experience uh, of of facilitating a workshop and there was a trans present there and it was a very interesting process because in a point in time, I was always like making it very clear that it's not about having a womb or not, but your womb is a center of force and energy that goes beyond the organ. And I was very clear about that. But in a point in time, she just started crying a lot and she left this space. And then yeah. I was mm. like talking to her after and asked what was the, 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 the point, why she was feeling so sad. And she said, actually... It was so weird for me to feel accepted. Oh. And she was like t- trying to integrate the yeah. process of being accepted like so deeply as a woman. Right. Which is what she's always felt. That she truth. was always fighting for that. And she was so used to fight for that. And once she had it, that it was just too weird for her and she entered in a process of her own acceptancy, like maybe going deeper into the process of how much do I accept myself as women for real if they're all saying yes to me, what are my points and my inner points of no? Yeah. You know, so it was mm. really beautiful, but I want to experience that more. I'm yeah. just open like the like more and more the field for these women to come and uh, so I can listen to them. I can learn from them, you know, because just they are such warriors. I mean, they came here with such an amazing mission of explaining to human beings that it's much more beyond the, the physical body. And this is yeah. amazing. They're doing amazing, beautiful work. Yeah, I think we're in an interesting time around gender. And I'm hearing more and more about just the oppression that gender, the binary is. And it's interesting, you and I are in similar work where we are working with like the the feminized experience that patriarchy has done, like bleeding, giving birth. And, and so there's like a tension with the gender binary oppression. Totally. With also the like the historical patriarchal oppression of of woman, whatever yeah. that means. And so and I can feel you and I both being like, we're open to healing these wounds simultaneously. And there's a tension there. Yeah, I see that like there was one discussion that happened because somehow in Brazil, I'm just too exposed in my work. Like I I have 70,000 followers and that's a lie. Like so anything that I say, it's just become too big sometimes. And there was a discussion around the situation. There was a woman saying that a sacred feminine was somehow transphobic, was not about me, Uh. but in general. And that like, I thought it was great that she was mentioning that because it's true. Like a lot of times this happens like, okay, you're sacred women because you have a vulva, you know, you're sacred. You're like this because you're a woman. You have this feminine essence because you came with this woman's body. And this is so not fair, even with the men. And then um, my perspective was like, okay, I will not stop doing this work. I'm not going to stop speaking about menstruation, fertility, and giving birth or whatever, because this is needed. 
And in, that would be not fair with us at all after 5,000 years of patriarchy if you're just silent because you're afraid of looking like transphobic. So let's keep doing the work, but let's look at it too because yeah. this is important, you know. Right. This I hear what you're saying. Sorry to interrupt, but there's there's this interesting gray area. Like there's an area between like, oh, I'm open to the areas in which I was unknowingly or unconsciously causing harm. And also, please don't shame me so much that I'm immobilized, that I'm frozen and I can't do my work. Totally. And and that's an, a dance, I mean, especially in the United States, we're in right now with just like a lot of white women being like, oh, racism is way more present than I thought. Oh, the gender binary is confusing. Oh, trans children. And so there's this interesting tension, again, I'm going to say, dance between receiving and hearing areas, being open to areas where you were excluding. Yeah, totally. But also staying in the work. Totally. It's really like not creating this idea of what it means to be a woman. A woman doesn't mean to be anything. Like I do believe Simone de Beauvoir when she says like we are not born as women, we become a woman through the social roles that society is trying to somehow impose. And then for me, what does it mean to be a woman? It means anything. What do you want to be as a woman? You know, mm-hmm. so you have different tools for embody different archetypes so you can be whatever you want. Yeah. Wow. For some reason, that's really hitting me in a new way in this moment and realizing you and I have been talking about the themes we see in our spaces like on Instagram or on people's marketing of like people kind of copy. You've been copied a lot of <laughs> like, what does it look like to be a spiritual wild woman? And I know I in my sisterhood work, I got really tired of like all white women wearing flower crowns and white nightgowns under a full moon dancing in a circle, you know, it's like every, and and people ate that up, but it just felt like so myopic. It felt so limiting to like, no, sisterhood could be like intense and dark. Sisterhood can be, it's healing work, it's medicine. And so you in, in bringing women back into their wildness and bringing women back into an understanding of their bodies, you're constantly <laughs> trying to be like, it doesn't have to look this way like you were you you were posing for our friend Anthony for a painting and you had your hands up both your hands up in the air sort of like feeling your power of spirit and your connection to all that is and you're like this is a really powerful movement the women who are just (laughs) doing it for Instagram don't get it it's really powerful yeah I feel like there are different levels of consciousness and what I've been working and trying to remind myself is that it's okay that people sometimes they just don't get it, but they do it just copying because somehow this is bringing a, like a memory of something. And this is already something. It's like a gateway drug. It's like, all right, you're beginning it. Yeah, 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 totally. Like, but then it's a serious work. Yes. But then some people, they just cannot, go too deep and that's fine too but it's fine that there's a okay there's a fashion around this thing of the sacred feminine and women's power whatever but it's a good one at least you know like it's bringing something new in terms of society in general humanity <coughs> but i'm always trying to bring up this idea that actually 
let's not create another box like let's just not label it again mm. because this is what the system does all the time because we need to alienate ourselves into something for us to feel secure and so i i need to have this feeling of belonging Mm-hmm. of doing of making part of something for me to feel loved and for me not to feel lost and that we were talking about this yesterday which is so interesting yes. like this process of um okay what if i don't belong to anything because this is something that i lived all my life long i never felt like belonging to anything even if the people were just so open for me they're so hard opening i could not like just feel like I was belonging that's my thing because this is my medicine. But that was big suffering for me because I just want to be part of something. I just want to feel like fulfilled in a group and feeling like this is my world. But in the end, I was looking around and there were so many different worlds that I could just like walk in and out. And so this helped me a lot to understand that actually I am an individual in communication with other beings and they affect me in a very good or bad way and this is just transforming who I am and so yes we are unity but then I'm individual and just like dancing this and always trying to go back to that space of like me myself my center looking at the world and see where I am, you know, like not necessarily, okay, I feel safe here. And this is a good way to be. And so when people are not having this sense of belonging to themselves, that's what they do. They just buy products, they buy clothes for looking like something, and they read books for talking about some specific subject. And they start like, having a relationship with people that somehow brings that idea of, okay, I'm this, and then, okay, I feel secure, right? But this is how actually the system is controlling us all the time. Right, what I call false belonging. Yeah. This this idea that you really only belong if you fit into the boxes, right? But so what if I don't anymore? Do I not belong? And it's like, well, what do you really belong to yourself? Yeah, and there are different ways of, of reacting to that because there is like, there's something happening outside of me. This is affecting me. And I just allow it to come into my body, into my system. I feel it. it I go into this uncomfortable feeling of having something different, unfamiliar, just moving inside of me. Like that's the other one just like entering in my system, affecting me. Okay, that's fine. You know, and then there's this transformation that happens. Yeah. Being with the discomfort. Yeah, and like, and maybe it's not even uncomfortable. Mm. Actually, the uncomfort comes from resistance. Yeah. And whenever we allow this process to happen, then the system cannot control us anymore. Mm-hmm. Because you're not just serving the system for being longing into an idea of what it have to be. You're just into the experience. We are not fighting for being powerful into this structure. We are not into this structure. We are just being into the experience of transforming ourselves through the affection of others. Right. And us affecting the world. It's just a fluidity. It's Yeah, it's a surrender. It's a presence. Yeah. It feels it, very ancient. It, it feels it, like pre-system. You know what? I feel like... 
it's something very new, actually. Because before, there was little communities and they, they were just like within themselves and somehow creating the codes and the belief systems in that little community. And like matriarchal community, they were peaceful and they even having connection with other cultures they could hold and exchange and they were peaceful. That's what Maria Gimbuta brings to us is information. But then if you imagine us as contemporary women living in this world that is so many different information, so many different cultures, like just affecting us all the time and you keep ourselves open to be transformed. This is so new and it's so challenging. Wow. And like there's no need to become something. I'm just into that space of experiencing all the words just coming through me. I've been affected to that all the time. And so what it is to keep that center of my own beliefs, my own values, my own principles, keep my heart open for the difference, being affected to that and being transformed by that, this is for me so much sacred feminine. Mm. I mean, I have a son, eight year old. He's so different from me. I can look at him and feel like this conditional love of allowing a human being to choose. It's that, like, it's still, I'm giving him the guidance, but it's different. It's just a different system. It's a different generation. It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of relating. And how much can I just open my heart to be transformed by him? Mm. And without imposing my way of thinking, but just doing like what I think that is right as an example. And like, how can we do this in our communities in general? And looking at the other one being so empathic that we can really see the needs of the others and see how much my privilege, how much my voice, how much my choices are affecting other people too, because I can feel them. I can feel them inside of me. Mm-hmm. They're they're affecting me. Their presence are really touching me. I have my eyes open, my heart open, my system open to to be moved by them. So in the dance, what I'm doing, like in the first day, that's the earth, and the earth is I am. So who am I in the world? And then the second element is water, I feel. And then we start <coughs> dancing together. And how does it affect me? I have my movement, my body's changed by the movement of someone else. And how is that for me? Mm. And then comes the, I, I do, the power of the fire. But the power of the fire is nothing if I do not have water, if I do not have compassion, if I do not have empathy, if I do not let me, myself being affected with other human beings, I cannot see it. I cannot respect and honor this human being in front of me. So I, where, where my power is coming from? And then there is this sense of unity that comes with the air, like the empty space within me, the empty space within you. We are united. Mm-hmm. You know. So what's the affirmation for air? I love. Oh, I love. Gosh, this is so beautiful. There is a, there's like in the retreats, it's just four days. And each day is. To reach I love. Oh, I bet it's ecstasy. And it's so beautiful because sometimes you just want to become spiritual and enlightened. But you're not really into the I am. We're not into the I do. I feel. You know, it's just. You can't, they literally cannot bypass to get to I love. There's a structure that might be built for us. And of course, there is a cycle. 
and it's in a spiral. So you're always going back to I am, and then again I feel, and then another level of I do, and then another level of I love, and keep growing into this spiral. Yeah, they, there's no way out of like creating the structure, knowing that we are in this world, in this body, we have work to do here, and then we have other human beings that are being affected, we're in community. And then what do you do about that? And then we love. Hmm. I'm curious about your experience as a Brazilian woman and the experience of the, I know you work with way more than just Brazilian women. You have such an international reach, but um, what you've shared just in our time together here in Connecticut about the kind of women that follow you and want to and need your work, I found there was like some differences between American, the American experience and the Brazilian experience. So I wanted to know if, if you can, would you be willing to share a little bit about what it means to be a woman in Brazil? Yeah, I'm still understanding that because I've been traveling for 10 years so a little disconnected from Brazil and me as a Brazilian woman. And then four years ago, um, life brought me back to Brazil. And now exactly now from one year from now, I'm living in the place like a hundred kilometers from the place where I was born. And where is that in Brazil? Minas Gerais. In what part of Brazil? Belo Horizonte is the center of Brazil. It's in between Rio and Sao Paulo, but it's a very, like, they're very religious, Catholic church, mm-hmm. and all this, which is so amazing, just to be back there and to honor where I came from, you know, and rec- reconnect to that and honor that, like, really inside of me, like, being there, feeling like the air, listening to the way they speak, their accent and everything. It's just, I lost my accent. Oh, yeah. So it's just, like... Coming back. Coming back. Confronting. Totally. And and being closer to my family. But, okay, this is one part. It's a very personal thing that I'm, like, going back to my land, to my people. But then there's another thing, which is, okay, now I'm Brazilian and I live in Brazil. And so I started facing a lot of issues about the government, the environment, the... um, the politics is just a mess in Brazil right now. So Yeah, that president's rough one. Awful. Yeah. So I do believe that what happens and I do I bring this consciousness through my work in spiritual realms, which is very different from politics, but still I think that it's a great metaphor. I mean, everything is connected, but whenever there is an evolution, like a rise of consciousness, there is also a force that comes and make us to like step back a little bit. It seems like humanity needs to appropriate and to integrate whatever new information that is coming. So in Brazil, what happened is that we had a president that his name is Lula, and he brought like this this very strong uh, left-wing force of really looking at the miserable people in Brazil and make politics for the people that needed to go to school just to eat, to have food in their table. So he he brought this idea of left-wing, like real government taking care of the people who really needs to be taken care. And now he's in jail. Lula's in jail. He's in jail. 
And it's so weird to see like, and then there was a president that was working with Lula, which is Juma. She, she, was, she was the first woman that became president in Brazil. Like such big transformations. And then he's in jail. She was just kicked out. And then there is this guy who's called Bolsonaro, who is the president. He's racist. He's homophobic. He's, he's from the church and he's speaking about religion and politics in the same phrase. Like, it's so horrible what he's been doing. Like, it's so out of consciousness. And he's creating politics for like growing, the giving more and more money to the people who are just being mono, monoculture and the industry of food that's just like killing our forests. And now there's oil in our oceans and now like all this work that Lula has been done with the left wing is just being corrupted. Of course, I'm not saying like, okay, Lula was a perfect man and he was doing everything. Like he just a human being in Brazil is still learning how to be out of, uh, we were the last country in America that finished with slavery. And after we had like two decades of dictator, so it's very scary, but I feel like it's a process of people really integrating the process that was happening before and like giving a step back and say, okay, I need some time. I need some more time to integrate. I'm not ready for the revolution yet, you know. And what is happening that I also see on the other side is just that from this experience, Brazilian people is getting more conscious of their role as in their politics, you know, just just not like okay, giving the power to the president and to the government and waiting for something to happen. No, they are actually understanding that they are part of this process. And so many people are starting to study about politics, to really read about what is the situation, economic situation in Brazil, the social situation in Brazil. And so there's this whole movement in the social media about uh, against racism, against homophobia, against fat phobia. All these movements are just becoming so powerful. Wow. And this is the gift we are receiving from so much darkness. I can relate to I that. mean and in our yeah. personal lives we see that somehow it's just our lives just become just a big mass we are so much stuck in the darkness and then there's a light that start coming from within from the base of course you cannot make a revolution from the top the revolution must come from the base and this is what is happening in Brazil like we're being so like um, this balance that we need to find this strength within each of us as Brazilian people to fight against this shadow. And this is empowering us a lot as individuals, but it's so sad. I mean, all the politics against the indigenous people, and oh. it's a mess. It's a mess. And I don't know if you have a point to return after that. And yeah. this is what makes me feel very sad. At the same time, like for me as a person who is speaking to so many people, I feel like in this place of not like, okay, we are fighting, but also I need to keep my high frequency into love. And how can I balance that? And this has been so hard and challenging, you know, yeah. personally saying. Right. Right. I'm thinking about... And you're saying that is the colonization 
the historic the history of colonization of Brazil and how it's um there's a lot of like European and particularly post World War II like German and a lot of immigration in from Europe and then there's it's a huge country and then you have the Amazon and you have the indigenous folks there and then you have just the migration within South America and, and just like Brazilian identity must feel why well, I don't want to put words in your mouth is it confusing there's not an identity actually mm. um, we are building up like this is a process of constructing what it is to what it means to be a Brazilian and it can be many things because it's such a huge country. There's so many different cultures and and that's actually is a point of our identity, which is like there's so many differences. And at the same way, they're like mostly of white people do not recognize that. So they're living in their own bubble, pretending that actually their world is the only one. And this is this is the mess, actually. I feel like the difference and the big, like how big Brazil is, and all the difference of cultures that we have inside of Brazil is not the problem. This is actually amazing. But the problem would be people do not recognize that. How can you be so racist in a in a country that fifty percent of population is black? Yeah. Like, well, of course, you as Brazilian, you have this blood. You have you have black people in your ancestry of course it's so obvious yeah. but people are like being racist and being brazilian such like a lack of consciousness you know about their own story right and actually what happens is that since as child people are teaching us like oh the portuguese people discovered brazil no no indigenous people were here and the Portuguese people destroyed the indigenous people and and imposed their own culture. And that's the real story. So who is telling the story? Right. The white, yeah. the men, the European perspective. And we are all being taught like this. So it's mm. kind of, and it's, it's still is like this. So how can you start telling the story from another perspective? As a woman or as a black woman or as a black man or indigenous person. And so this movement is happening more and more in Brazil and it's just like burning. It's so strong. It's boiling, you know. I see a lot of potential in that. Wow. And I, I know that... Um you bring women on some of your retreats to indigenous communities in the yeah. Amazon. And I'm curious to know, like, what is your relationship with, and and it's so unfair to say the indigenous people of Brazil. It's like, which one? There's so yeah, many. This was, so many. you know, some arbitrary border was drawn. But totally. I'd love to know more about that work yeah. for you. I, I very much admire it. So I've been working with different communities of indigenous people, but there's one that I felt uh, specifically like very connected with, which is the Yawanawa tribe. So for some reasons, I, I'm going to just make it short, but uh, the Yawanawa leader, one of the leaders is a woman, and there was the first shaman women in the history of indigenous people in Brazil. So she was the one that said, 
why women cannot have ayahuasca or why women in our community cannot have hape, for example, which are the medicines that they use, why women are not taking decisions here in our community. And then her husband, which was married to with eight women, and then she said, okay, no, you're not going to marry with eight women, you're going to marry only with me, and I'm going to be your wife. And she was not even promised I mean, not even considered to be one of her of his wives. And she just decided, okay, I'm gonna be the only one and you're gonna marry me. He was the leader of the tribe. And just and then she said, Women are gonna be able to be with men in the decisions and the spiritual work. And then there was such a mass, like it was a revolution in this little community, but still such a big work. And so she became a a shaman she became a spiritual leader in the tribe and that made me feel like so much connection to her and after all this many years after it was not that simple but many years after she had a process with the medicine of ayahuasca that she saw women dancing in the fire and the medicine was telling her that women should dance and uh does that mean women weren't dancing before? They were dancing before, but it was very specific type of dance in the the design of their ritual. And just brought this static dance, like just free dance to the tribe. And they, they were like, again, shocked and saying, no, you cannot do that. This is against our tradition. And she was bringing like the new vision, you know. And it took a lot of work for people to accept her, and especially the major like the men, the grandfathers to, uh, actually the grandfathers were, were okay. Like the young man, there was more like into troubles of not oh, allowing wow. her to bring the, yeah, totally. <laughs> they gave her the blessings as soon as she came up with this. And now like I'm taking the, this group of women to actually men come to, to this group but we are doing the work of Danza Medicina in the tribe. So we are receiving their medicine as ayahuasca ceremony and Kabbalah ceremony, like the, the traditional medicine that they have, but also bringing this work with the body in a, in a deeper level with me, like doing as a bridge in between cultures, which like I do it in a very, very humble and silent way, like really respecting, like not taking my thing to them, you know, but really like just holding space for them to bring their medicine to us. And it's just amazing that... They have our culture respected, the tradition respected, and you're there to honor them, which is such a big shift in how colonialists just brought this idea of us taking what is there and like giving what we have that has no value to them, but but building up this sense of value from what you have to give to them, you know, and still allowing them to to surviving the system the capitalism so they gain good money with that so they can build up their tribes again so yeah. they can empower themselves without leaving their tradition their culture right the opposite like they're strengthening mm -hmm. who they are and how they present themselves into the world by doing that which is awesome but it's so fragile i mean fragile in the sense they're very strong the yawanawa are very strong but I mean, it's very, it's very subtle line in between helping, supporting them, 
and taking advantage on them. You know? Right. And or then, appropriating. Totally. Yeah. So this is a constant studying that we've been doing, like me personally been doing, Great. of understanding my my part in this whole system, which is like quite a challenge to be conscious of all the subtle informations that can we can bring up from that. Yeah. But also what I've been bringing is that my retreats are quite expensive for majority of people in Brazil. Yeah. And so I take this opportunity of like being very sustainable financially now in my life that I can bring women that are not paying for being there and they just, they can just bring their realities to our circle. And that's been amazing. And there, you know, and there just, is reciprocity in that because they're giving to the circle. Totally. And their voices, I've been heard. And this is the most important for me. So sometimes you're just like in this exercise of being silent as white women, allowing the black women to speak whatever they want. And you're just listening and receiving and being affected, as I said, yeah. for their reality, which is so different from ours, you know? And I, like, I want to, I want to, I want to hear you. I want to see you. I want to connect with you. And of course, seeing the difference, but then unite in this difference and say, we are the same still. Right. Right underneath all Feeling this, yeah. we are the same, you know. But but for getting to this space of we are the same, we must say we are not the same. And this is so important to be seen. Yeah. You know, yeah. to be recognized. We are not the same. We, we're not coming from the same place. We didn't have the same privilege. We didn't have the same opportunities. We have no idea what it is to be you, you know. Right. And so after this, we can say maybe if they agree, if they allow us, say, okay, we're the same. If right. there is a deep, 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 deep connection all beyond this, they're so big. Wow. So, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of work. I mean, for myself, for taking me out of my bubbles, for inviting me to grow as human being as women as a Brazilian as um as a therapist as someone who wants to to make changes in the world you know just to step back and see that actually step back is going forward it's like going yeah. deeper yeah I think something I also really see you doing and admire about you is your commitment to your own process that you're not just sitting in the seat as guru or teacher, that you are. <laughs> that you that work. would be so boring. Yeah, you're doing the moon dance and you're seeing the healers and you're doing pilgrimage and you're constantly working deeper with your shadow. And I mean, even just like questioning, questioning your popularity and, and you're just always looking into your deeper mission. I really see that. And yeah, you. because if I stop doing that, life is just gonna punch my face, and I don't want that. <laughs> so I'm gonna, I'm like, okay, I got, I need to work hard, and um, it's so funny. Like we were talking about this last year. I lost three babies in a year, yeah. and that's just so beautiful to look at myself and see. Like, oh, imagine if I was really connected to that archetype of this stereotype, actually. Of, Oh, I am the sacred, fertile woman that gives birth to beautiful babies and whatever. Like, that would be beautiful. I mean, that would be nice. But then I lost three babies. I gave birth to a dead baby of, in six months pregnancy. Yeah. 
And like, what chance is life giving to me to pretend that I'm doing my work? You know, like, mm. okay, my womb that I'm saying that is sacred has a dead baby inside. How do I feel that? What am I going to do with that? What am I going to do with that? And then understand like, this is fucking sacred. Yes. Mother Earth, which is my womb, is dying and rebirthing every time, like in all the cycles. Why would I be different? Me as women, as the greatest goddess, I'm not just the Dimitri. I'm not like the Greek mythology really built up into patriarchy. patriarchy just made us believe that we are fragmented and are different goddesses, but actually the greatest goddess, she's like death and rebirth and she's destroying and she's giving life. She's creating, but she's always destroying, you know, and then feeling this inside my womb is like, okay, this is what I do with that. I understand that actually it's much beyond or beyond what we think. It was, and thank thank goddess for teaching me that so clearly, you know. And then, okay, I'm in a relationship. I'm this, okay, I call up for Hera, and I'm this beautiful wife, and then my husband cheats me. Like, and what do I do with that? Oh, thank goddess for working again in my ego, you know, so I can just let go of all my intentions of being the perfect, sacred, beautiful women which doesn't exist. So I can't just deal with my things and grow up and be more real, be more raw and allow women to go into their own process as they are with the light and their shadow of their chaos and the perfection, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I could not be brave enough to stop work within myself because I know that life would be just take me into a very, very dark, profound process for doing that. It's such a bad karma if you're opening yourself for serving and if you're not serving your own growth, right? Yeah, well, I think what you've been through, which is hard and also not entirely unique in that women have gone through these things, there can be this fragility put on women that they can't survive that, that it'll take them down, that they don't belong, that they totally aren't worthy and I just love how you're framing this in just those two examples with, you know, losing babies and having a husband cheat on you. Like, what is the medicine? Mm-hmm. And that we are all given this medicine. And sometimes it's a bitter ass pill. Sometimes it's gnarly. But you know what? The good medicines are bitter. I agree. Even cacao is bitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The good medicines are better. I mean, we, ha- we don't have to grow only through suffering, of course. This is a choice, too. But knowing that this is part of the process. And there are two things that... One is that how women would survive to that. Actually, I used to say you have to learn how to die for being able to rebirth. Mm-hmm. How would I survive to that? Don't survive. Just die. It's fine. Just let it go And there's something that would come after that. Yes. And this is powerful. This is nature. Allow it to die. Allow yourself to die. You know, so it's a wreath of passage. You must die for then something new to to rise, right? And on the other side is that idea in us as uh, facilitators of this movement, 
should be very conscious of is like, we don't want to create a statement of what it means to be a woman. You know, we want to break up all these statements. So then women that go through this process, I mean, oh, there's a woman that went to surgery and she had her womb take, taken out and then she feels like she's not a woman anymore because she doesn't have her womb. And then we say to her, what does it mean? Like, you're so, you belong to us. Yeah. You know, like, and grow through all that experience and legitimating that within us, within other women, we just can embrace more and more and more different experiences, you know, so they all can feel like it's worthy. They're worthy. It's not. Right. This is just in, on, a, on a deeper level helping me understand and re-understand it's like the amnesia of patriarchy i'm re-understanding how these stories of like not being a woman because you had a hysterectomy or because you were born with a penis or because you lost babies or whatever it is like these are the stories of the system these are not truth yeah and in that way, like our ancestors knew that and we are remembering and creating a new reality from that with our greater access to each other with Instagram, with the internet. If we can, if we can li live and move into that death part of the cycle that is just as important as birth. We love that birth. We love mm. planting that seed. Mm -hmm. But if we can really lean into the ways we are dying. Yeah then we can totally smash the patriarchy. <laughs> like, truly, yeah. the shadow is the way through. There is a scene that came into my mind, one of, my, one of the experiences that I work in my retreats, which is like, you are a seed, you're a very little seed, like a baby in, in, in a womb, and then you have to germinate. You have to break the seed and have to be born. You have to be delivered. And then how is that? And then in my retreats, like people are not going to see me, but I'm going to show a little bit the movements. Sometimes in my retreats, I say that. I say, okay, you're a seed and now you're germinating. And then you have to germinate and they start dancing like <gasps> They're so gentle and beautiful. And I'm like stopping the music and say, no, have you seen like real seed, like National Geographic, <laughs> something like that? It's like a seed being germinated. It's such a violent thing. You really have to break your structures. And the same seed yeah. that is like holding you is like a baby in the womb. Like it's warm and it's good to be there. But then if you go to a natural labor, you have to like, there's a tunnel full of contractions and you're going to go through that process. And this is what it means to rebirth. So sometimes people have this beautiful idea about, okay, I'm rebirthing and I'm becoming something new, but there's like this stereotype of like something beautiful that's just the flower opening. But actually for the flower to be open, there's a process before that's just under the earth. Yeah. Gathering energy for the time when she would be ready to just open up and break through. And that's a big deal big process right it's like it's like twisting and wet and messy yeah. and intense it's just allowing life force to just break through like going it's you know, wild like, it, that's so wild yeah 
And we should practice this more, you know, in our bodies, in our dances, just like, okay, I'm a seed and I'm breaking through. Like in all the time that we are stuck in a perspective, we'll see there's something bigger for us, but we cannot let go of the sense of comfort zone that we have being stuck in that little seed. But what parts of us can just break through? We have vital energy. We have the, and then asking Mother Earth, like, please show me how to do that because I cannot do it by myself. You know, like just yeah. my body knows that my DNA, once I was a seed, I don't know which point of time in this era, in this history of humanity, of Earth, I was a seed. I know what it means. So what is that in my system that I can just break through and become something different? and flourish you know because if you think like a huge tree and a seed holds the same information right when i am a seed i really know what it is to be such a big tree i have the whole information right there yeah i just have to be activated and life life force just come through me so this can happen but i need to let go of my need of seeing that small right so I'm saying that just to bring as a metaphor for this process of becoming wild, what does it really mean, you know, is just to look at nature and see nature as our biggest teacher in our temple, like taking off the shoes to enter in the temple and to feel your feet on earth and recognize that actually we were part of that, but we have so much to learn because we were disconnected. Yeah. And this is like the wildness. The rewilding, which is so deep. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> and intense and important and real yeah raw yeah yeah oh my gosh thank you so thank you so much Becca. this was real good <laughs> i love that yeah okay so <laughs> everyone listening follow danza medicina on instagram i know sometimes the captions will be in portuguese <laughs> Sometimes she puts English, just just her, it's like a spell every time she posts her body and her expression. Follow her, densamedicina.net. Yeah. You can check her out there. Oh, can you tell people about the book you just published in Brazil? Oh, yeah. I don't know if I can translate that in English. But well, what is the title in Portuguese? A Menina Que Virou Lua. Mm-hmm. That's a, a girl that became moon. Oh. And it's about the first, it's about the the monarch. It's about the first menstruation. Yes. And so there's this little this little girl. She feels very vulnerable and lost in her thoughts. She's learning how to think about herself. And then she has this word about becoming a woman. She feels like she's not ready for it. And one night there is the grandmother that comes in her dreams. It's a grandmother, like a spiritual grandmother from above the time and space. And comes to her and explain what it means to become a woman. <laughs> what we all wanted. Actually, she was like, okay, but what it means to be a woman, she said, it can be anything that you want to be. It's not about that, but then how to have a deeper uh, connection with your body yeah. and honor it. Honor this wreath of passage of becoming a woman. Because somehow... In our subconscious, there is a lot of information what it is to be a woman based on the moment that we had our first blood Mm. and how we were received 
in society with this process. So, for mm. example, maybe your father just got distant from you because, oh, you became a woman, so I'm not going to hug you anymore. I'm not going to hold you in my chest anymore because you're a woman now, you're bleeding. I cannot just get so close from your physical body anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. And got distant. So that in your subconscious become what it means to be a woman. Or maybe you felt shame because you were at school and then your blood, just your clothes were dirty of blood and you were ashamed and you felt there was something wrong. And then you kept all lifelong just trying to hide this process of bleeding from everyone else. Or maybe you had so much cramps you didn't know what it meant. You felt you were sick and then you kept thinking that actually it's about being sick yeah whatever or you try to become to become something else like okay i'm i'm a woman now so i have to dress up like this i have to act like that but it's not really your essence Mm -hmm. and so this process this book is for children but it's actually for women growth women so they can go back into their own process of the first menstruation and resignifying their stories about their bodies as women and reconnect to this girl and say let's do it again let's do the process again and maybe even creating a ritual for this first menstruation again at you as an adult and you as this little girl just bring yeah so beautiful so beautiful i know when um (laughs) i just let a retreat to Ireland this past April and one day we did the 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 Celtic maiden rites Mm -hmm. where we all dressed in red and had ivy crowns on our head and we went to this like sacred site called the Hill of Tara to Rathgranya. Grania is a Celtic goddess, maiden goddess Mm -hmm. and we had all these Irish women Moon mana, mana means women, moon women in Irish Gaelic. And we all went around in a circle and shared our first moon stories. And then we all called upon our maiden selves. And then we came up and we would get the maiden rites where we had these belly beads on. And um, the woman who was giving the rites would hold the, would blow on the stone and attach to our belly beads and hold it on our womb and look in our eyes and speak to our child maiden selves. And then we'd ask two people to be with us. We'd ask them to represent. So I asked for my mother to be there, and I asked for my grandmother to be there, and I told them exactly what I wanted them to say after I received mm-hmm. the rights. So the rights were given to me. Then I turned to my mom, and my mom would say, welcome to welcome to this uh, tribe of women, and and we love you and support you, and you are, you are exactly as you are. And I look at my grandmother, and she says, you know, I'm so proud of you. I'm whispering blessings to you throughout the the ages. And every woman on our retreat who got the rights, like maybe there was their father who embraced her. Mm-hmm. And it was just as you're saying, resignifying mm-hmm. this moment. And I love that your book is doing this. It was so powerful. I mean, we had, you know, 50 year old women sobbing and, and, fe- and then we would dance around so like maidens yeah. and feel like the, um, the whispers of sexuality, but still that childlike joy. And I think that's so important for those of us who, so many of us just didn't really know or were showed how to enter into very important rite of passage. Totally. And uh, yeah, I've been heard stories that 
like I have a friend who bought the book for her daughter. Her daughter is just three years old. And she told me that the daughter came into the, like there was a meeting in her house, a lot of friends. And then she came and showed the book and said, oh, there's a story of a woman that got her first blood. And she was explaining from her perspective what it meant to become a woman. And she was shocked. Like, I didn't know she would get it. But she it's already it. her system. Yes. Which is awesome. I mean, I wrote this book in two days. Wow. It was so ready. It's gorgeous, too. It was so ready, like somewhere, you know, I just received it, like, it was so fast. I never thought about writing a book for children at all. It just happened. And then once I posted on the internet, like, oh, I have a book here. I wrote it, and I know what to do with that. And then there was these people that came, like, editors to, like, publish the book, like, straight in the same day. And then one week after we launched the book, there was sold out. Like, she's <gasps> so powerful. Like, they were, I wow. felt like we needed that so badly, you know. And it just shows you that, mm. you know, despite Bolsonaro, there's a movement happening in Brazil. And <sighs> you're making ripples with your yeah. work, with your words, with your body, with your images, with your voice. It's beautiful. Thank you. I honor you and I'm just so inspired by you. I love you. And thank you for walking this path of me. Oh, yeah. It's so, great. So powerful. Yeah. It helps a lot. Totally. Great. <laughs> Everyone go follow Morena. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Becca. Thank you so much for listening. I know your time is sacred, and I hope this episode infused some inspiration and meaning into your day. For show notes, links, and references from this episode, you can go to belongingpodcast.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to Belonging on Apple Podcasts, and if you have a moment, leave a review. This helps my little podcast reach more listeners, and I would be ever so grateful.